morning, everyone. All right. You can see I went for the twinning look of the uh, Christmas boots. You may not, do you know, I wish I was flexible enough to get my leg high enough that you could see at home, but I can't. Um, and I'm wearing a declaration of 2021 today. Um, that Stand on the stage. Oh, I'm so sorry, stream team and everything. Look. Look. Red boots today. Red boots. Um, and this is my declaration for next year that I am going to be so short of hugs and connection by next Christmas. You all have permission to meet me under the mistletoe uh, for a little hug. <laughs> Chris is a bit worried. <gasps> Moving swiftly on. Uh, so for those of you that haven't met me, I've now introduced myself by that invitation. But if you haven't met me, my name is Nick. And would you believe it? I'm one of the pastors here. <laughs> Who thought they'd give me that kind of a job? Um, so it is great to have you joining us at home. It's great to have you joining us in the room as well. Um, and we are going to be talking Christmas again, but with a little bit of a twist, with a little bit of a twist. Uh, the talk, <laughs> Chris is still having a small moment, so I'm just going to leave him to have a moment at the front here. Do you know, if this weren't live, we could just go back and just like take that out. But there you go. What a gift for you all. Um, so... So Chris last week spoke about the visit from the angels, and we're doing just this three-part mini-series on visits in the Christmas story, and I'm going to be talking about the shepherds and the wise men today. Now, if you didn't hear Chris's talk last week, it was proper good. Like, I know I married him, but it was really good. He talked about the idea that we are people who love the destination. We love to just get the solution, but very, very often God is working in the process He is working on our hearts, he's working on our character, he's showing us what he's like in the process rather than just getting to the solution. And he said this, he said that whatever you're going through, God is working on a creative, redemptive solution. And it's important that we keep on knowing that. Now, I'm just going to make sure this is turned on today. I think it is. Okay, fantastic. So today I'm talking about the shepherds and the wise men. And there are just a couple of things that I would love us all to know by the end of this. The first thing is that whoever you are, whatever your background, whatever you think you have to offer, God has got a part for you in his story. That for me is like an absolute must to take away from today. Whoever you are, you have something to offer and God has written you into his story. And the second thing is that once we get hold of that and we realize our value and we realize we have a part to play, we get to choose to respond. It's okay just to know that God has a part for us in his story, but then we get to choose to respond and do something about that. And that's what I think we see in the Christmas story in these shepherds and wise men. Now, I'm not going to actually read you the whole bit from the Bible with these stories. I'm going to do, this is the Nick Kimmons translation of the Bible. I'm going to do you a little paraphrase um, of what happened. So in Luke 2, we see that these shepherds are out in the fields. They are just tending to their sheep. And then suddenly out of nowhere, an angel appears and says to them, the angel appears and says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. And basically says that the Messiah, this person who's been sent to save people, has been sent And then the sky opens up. There's this like heavenly host, this choir of angels that come. And the shepherds are gobsmacked, absolutely gobsmacked. And they're like, what? And then they say this, which I love, let's go. Let's go. Two words 
but man, they're important. It's, it's fair to say that experience would have changed them forever. It's impossible that seeing a heavenly host in the sky and seeing an angel appear couldn't have changed them. It's impossible. But they then decided to do something about it, and they said, let's go. And they went off to find the baby, and they found Jesus with Mary and Joseph, and they were just astounded by what they saw. And then not only that, they then went about into the town and the villages telling absolutely anyone and everyone that they could find about what had happened. Now, as Chris alluded to last week, you can't see this story as like some kid's story. Like we see the Christmas story on Christmas cards and children's nativities. This is mad. Like this is totally mad, this story. These, to- these nobodies, these shepherds who would have been on the outside of society, outcasts, living in poverty, uneducated, young, and yet the most critical message perhaps of all time, God chose to deliver it to them first. I find that incredible. If any of you have ever worked in schools, you'll know there's an unwritten code. If you want to get a message from your class to another member of staff, you pick your child very carefully as to who's going to send the message. If you've ever worked with young children, you'll know this. If you want to get information from one place to another, you don't just send anyone. You send the child that you think will most accurately be able to get the information from you to somewhere else. But here, this is mad. God decides that the messengers of this incredible piece of news would be the most unlikely people going people on the margins of society, people who would have been thought quite badly of. And yet, he chose them. And what I love about the shepherds is that they did this. They heard, they believed, and they responded. And I think that is an invitation for all of us today. It's one thing to hear a message, but then to believe it, And to respond, that is an invitation that I think we're being invited into. Now, now you might think, yeah, but the reason they responded is because they had so much need, right? So they had needs. They didn't have anything. They were poor. They were outcasts. The reason God probably chose them is because they really needed God. And so therefore, that's probably why they were so responsive. But then we switch to the wise men. And this, for me, is just as fascinating because you suddenly have a group who couldn't be more different to the shepherds. They couldn't have been. They were polar, poles apart? What's the phrase? Polar opposites? That. They were very different. That's the idea. They were very, very different. And you read about this in Matthew 2. Again, I'm going to paraphrase it. You've got these wise men from the east And basically, they've seen a star rise up, and they have been pursuing the truth. They have been pursuing truth. The shepherds just happened to be in the right place at the right time. As far as I could see, they weren't looking for anything, really. But the wise men were searching. They were pursuing the truth. So they turn up in Jerusalem, and they start to say, where is the newborn king? Where is this child? Now, this isn't when Jesus is a tiny baby. This is a little while after. And Herod catches wind of this. And Herod says, hang on a second, what's going on? 
And the wise men I said, you know, we know the king, the king that is going to save the world is being born here. And Herod feels really threatened by this because suddenly his power is at risk. And he doesn't like this. He feels really threatened. And so what he does is he calls a private meeting with the wise men. And he says, oh, go and search everywhere for this baby. And when you find him, come and tell me where he is because I want to worship him too. Now, if this were a panto, this would be the boo moment because we know this isn't actually true. Herod didn't want to worship him. Herod wanted to get rid of him because he was a threat to his power. So the wise men follow the star and then it says they were guided to Bethlehem and they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And then when it was time for them to leave, God warned them in a dream about Herod and they decided to go another way. Now, what do we know about these wise men? Well, we know that they were really influential. They were wealthy. They were very wise. They were intellects, if you like. They were well thought of. The opposite to the shepherds. But do you know, the wisest thing about the wise men, in my opinion, is that they still realized they needed a saviour. Do you know what I find in, in my work, in my job, just in relationships? The people I find it hardest to talk to about the hope that Jesus brings are the people that just don't think they need him. They've got everything they need. You know, you talk to people like Nicola Neal, who works in, Ash, um, in Africa, and in the poorest places, and she says the message of the gospel spreads like wildfire there. Because people have such an acute need and an acknowledgement of their needs, that they are so open to a saviour. And yet in our culture and society, when people are wealthy and wise and influential, very often they think that they don't need God because they've got it all together for themselves. But the wise men tell us a different story. They say, it doesn't matter if you've got everything you need. They realised fulfilment couldn't be found in wealth and wisdom and influence. They still realised they needed a saviour. And what did they do? They saw... They believed and they responded. Just like the shepherds, they heard. The wise men saw, they believed, and they responded. Now, I was going to spend the rest of the talk unpacking that in like, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, God's got amazing plans for you. And as I was sat at the desk preparing this talk, God just had a different idea. And... um, and I felt him, and I was just praying, and I thought, what, which direction, where do I go with this next? And this is what I felt him say to me. If you want to respond to what you've seen and heard, call my people to take their place and pray. Now, I'd been sat at my desk preparing for the talk, but also looking at some of the coronavirus stats that are going around at the moment, the numbers that are going up in our area seeing stories of people on the front line who are battling. And I felt like God say to me, if you want to respond, Nick, then call my people to take their place and pray. And that is what we're going to do for the rest of our time this morning. Now, before you switch off at home, if you're someone that's like, oh no, praying, I don't really like praying or doing praying, please bear with. I'm going to help guide us through a way that we can stand as a family and as a community today and pray that we see a breakthrough and a shift in what is going on in Ashford and the surrounding area. 
So are you in? Good. Okay, fantastic. So the reason why, when God said this to me at the desk, I was like, oh, really? Are you sure, God? Is because I find prayer really challenging. The reason I find prayer challenging is because it is this weight, it's this total mix of faith, measuring faith with disappointment or lack of faith. And for me, I've had times where I'm so faith-filled, so able to see that God is able to do infinitely more than I can ask and imagine, and I'm ready to go with prayer. And other times I feel so bombarded by things I'm not seeing change and not get breakthrough in that I feel almost impotent to pray. And the the narrative in my head then is, what difference are your prayers actually going to make? Really? Do you really think, Nick, that your prayer could change a pandemic? That's the stuff that goes on in my head. And yet, here we see in these two groups of people, and this is why I think God asked me to do it in this context, was that those two groups of people, all they needed to do was respond. They didn't need all the answers. They didn't even need to fully understand what they were being invited into. How could they have possibly understood it? But they did know that they had an opportunity to respond. So what I'm going to do is I've been asking some people within the Asher Vineyard community who represent different spheres of influence in education, social services, uh, in business, in entertainment, in lots of different spheres. I've asked them in their own words to tell me how can we pray? Because who am I to stand and say how we can pray for education when that is not my everyday reality? My children are in education, so I have some awareness. And so I've asked people to give me some pointers and ways to pray. But I recognize that for many of us, praying just feels hard because we don't often know where to start or what to do. And then I found this quote by Mother Teresa, which I absolutely loved. And it said, I used to believe that prayer changes things, but now I know that prayer changes us and we change things. I'm going to say that again. I used to believe that prayer changes things, but now I know that prayer changes us and we change things. And I believe God's inviting us into a place where he gets to change us as we pray and he gets to see us change some of the situations and things we're seeing around us. Now, for you, you might be listening at home. You might be here in the room thinking, okay, I'm all right with praying, but praying for me is like quietly in my head. And I want to encourage you this morning that I feel like God's inviting you into something more and something different this morning. We see in the Bible time after time that when we speak out, things happen. You know, things like Proverbs 18.21 in the Bible says, The power of life and death is in the tongue. And then we hear Jesus talking in Mark 11.23 and he says, If you say to this mountain, move and you believe in your heart and you do not doubt, it will be done for you. If you say to this mountain, and then you look at Genesis, Genesis 1, right back at the beginning of the Bible, how does the universe come into being? God speaks. He speaks it out. And I'm going to encourage you in the room and at home that we speak out this morning, that we declare out. Maybe for you, as Kirsten so beautifully described in the worship, maybe for you it's moving your hands from here to here. Maybe praying out loud for you is a whisper. That's okay, but speak it out. 
So what I'm going to do is give you an example of how this is going to work. So this, um, these prayer points have come from um, a lady called Christine, who's part of this family. She's a consultant intensivist at the William Harvey. She's working in intensive care. She's right on the front line. And this is some of the things that she asked us to pray for. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of an idea about where I would start if this were me looking at this. So the first thing she has said is that visiting is very limited in hospitals. Patients can feel very lonely and isolated and families are frustrated and concerned for their loved ones. Please pray for every patient to know love and against loneliness. So for me, if I was looking at this and I didn't know where to start, I'd probably start by just switching that into a prayer. And I'd start by out loud saying, God, I pray against loneliness. I pray that every patient would know love in this time. I pray against frustration for loved ones. We pray that you would eradicate loneliness in this place, that your presence would come and that you would fill the gap where loved ones and family and friends can't come in. And this is how I would start. I would start to just say those things and say them out loud. You don't need to have a special prayer voice or know all the answers. You can just start to say these things. Let's look at another one. To give you an idea, I'm going to send all of these slides um, to everyone who's on our mailing list this week and let this be our prayer points for this coming week so that you can see what we've been asked to pray for because we won't get time for all of them. So this next one, this is from Ruth Thompson who works at the William Harvey. Let me just pick one of these. She says, pray that negative atmospheres and cultures would be broken so that even the most difficult of circumstances, people would know that they are valued members of staff. So I, again, would look at that and I would think, okay, so she's telling me people aren't feeling valued, they're stressed, mental health is down in staff. What do I want to happen? This is how I always start to pray. What do I want to see happen? What do I want to see happen is thriving mental health within the staff of our hospitals. I want to see members of staff that wake up with a supernatural energy to get in and go again because they know that they're not alone and they're being held and they're being championed and they're being celebrated, that God is with them, that miracles can break out when they open their mouths, when they lay hands on patients, that where people can't get in, loved ones to hold the hands of patients, that they can bring the kingdom as they get alongside and hold hands. So I would be saying... Father, I pray that you would create an identity and a value in those members of staff, that they would know who they are and whose they are. Is this making sense? Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to take the rest of the time we have. I would encourage you, wherever you are, if you are able, please stand. And this is where we are going to just start to pray. I'm going to just cycle through some of these slides that will appear on your screen at home and here. You don't have to do all of them, but maybe just pick something that sticks out for you or pray for something that isn't on the slides, but that you want to see breakthrough in. Okay, so I'm going to turn my mic off and I will pray out loud as well. And I'll just keep moving them through um, and then I will pull it together at the end. Okay. So, Father, we give this time to you. We give this time now as your people, we come together and we pray that we would see breakthrough. So these things are from Helen Bone, who's a GP in our community. Do feel free to pray into these. These are things that are affecting health in our community. Okay, these are education, things we can pray for with an education. This is from Ian Witts and Sarah Simmons, who are two head teachers in our community, have told us this is how they would love us to pray for their context.
Okay, these prayer points are from Vicky, who is a social worker locally. locally. Um, this is a sobering read, but we get to partner um, with praying for some of these things in our community, like loneliness um, and for care agencies and staff and some of the weight on those. So let's pray for those things right now. So these prayer points are from Jazz Ellington, who um, is a music artist in the entertainment industry. And he's saying that one of the biggest things they're finding is financial insecurity at the moment for people in the creative arts. Um, and also a sense of identity for people who just don't know whether they're coming or going at the moment with things getting rebooked and cancelled. So let's just take a moment to pray for those things now. And finally, these are some pointers from Becca, uh, who is our Beehive leader, and she's told us about how we can pray for our local businesses. Obviously, we know footfall is down, and especially at the moment, hospitality in Ashford as we stay in Tier 3. So just grab one off this slide and just declare that we would see a breakthrough in this area. And finally, just to come to a close, I would love if we could all pray this and like really pray it. Like this is like this one you can read out so you don't even have to think what to say. But that we would declare this loud and proud together. Your kingdom come, your will be done in Ashford and beyond as it is in heaven. Amen. 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 Do you take a seat. Just as we bring to a close, thank you for standing as family with us in praying for these situations. There are many, many more. And as I said, I will send out all of those to everybody this week so that we can keep praying. These are in the own words of the people that are in these contexts and situations. And it's wonderful that we can stand with people and pray together. And just before we close, I felt like um, there are some people watching at home or potentially in the room who you have never given a yes to Jesus. You have never said... I am in. And as you've heard the story of the shepherds and the wise men who it's hearing is one thing, believing is another, and then responding. And I particularly felt like the contrast of there are people at home who either you've accidentally come onto this stream this morning on Facebook or YouTube, you don't know quite how you ended up here, and you feel like the shepherds, you've just been sat on your hilltop and suddenly God is breaking into where you are and he's inviting you to respond. And this is a great time to respond. Or maybe you're at home or you're in the room and you're more like the wise men who have heard of this truth. You have heard and known there is more and you've been pursuing and searching for something for many years potentially. And I feel like God is also inviting you to have the courage to respond today. So Father, we just say if, if that is you at home or in the room and you would like to respond, then do feel free to pray this with me. Jesus, I respond today. I give you a yes. I respond to your invitation. I invite you into my life. I invite you to change me and to pour your extravagant love into my heart. Thank you, Father. Amen. 
thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.